I want to know something. Um, every single time I tell myself, you know, when I when I put it out there and I say, I'm going to try to make this episode as short as I can. Like, I really am going to truly try to make this episode as short as I can, because it's a lot of uh, a lot of episodes I wanted to get uh, done today and publish today for y'all and for me, but mainly for y'all. But there's a lot of shit I wanted, a lot of topics I wanted to cover today, but I feel as though I don't want to waste any more time, no anticipation, no buildup, no nothing for this movie I'm about to talk about. I don't... I don't I just don't want to waste any more time on it. I, you know, this is time off of my life talking about this movie that I cannot get back. It was time off of my life watching this movie that I cannot get back. I really want y'all to understand that I'm serious when I when I when I say when I say this. That's how strongly I feel about this movie that I'm going to be talking about today. Now, I say that to say this. There's a lot of birthdays today. Um Rest in peace to the icon, the R&B princess, Aaliyah. Uh, her birthday is today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, John Carpenter is celebrating a birthday today, which I will definitely be doing an episode uh, later on for my top five John Carpenter movies. And a happy birthday shout out to him. Uh, he has a birthday today. But who decided to have a fucking birthday today that I completely forgot about? Happy 11th birthday to my bloody valentine 3d and if anybody doesn't know what i'm talking about it's a remake a 2009 remake of a movie that came out in 1981 um first of all the original was directed by george mahalka it was written by john beard and it starred paul kilman laurie hillier neil affleck i don't know if neil is any relation to ben or casey affleck i'm not sure but let me just say um this is a movie the original was a movie that was post halloween uh you know normally i would say post psycho or or black christmas or something like that but i say halloween because that was like the resurgence of the slasher low-key the slasher genre because you know we did have psycho before that's the granddaddy black christmas kind of you know people use the term black christmas crawled so halloween halloween could walk but um Halloween broke barriers and um, the movies we got after that were, you know, you guys know what I mean. So basically, this movie coming out in 1981, it was fresh off the hills of stuff like, um, you know, Halloween, of course, and uh, Friday the 13th. So, you know, there were a lot of comparisons, not to mention Paramount uh, pumped this movie out. So Paramount was definitely on some shit back then and they wanted to do like holidays and dates and stuff like that so they pumped out my bloody valentine now let me just say this movie people uh like i said coming off the hills of movies like it came off of this is a pretty uh one of the words that people use as far as this movie and i completely agree is authenticity this was um this was a pretty unique slasher movie. You know, they weren't necessarily teenagers. They were like uh, working class adults. You know, they lived in a small town of um, Valentine Bluffs. And they the, the, the guys worked in a coal mine. The girls, you didn't know really know where they worked. But it was it was a pretty mature type of slasher for the time it came out. And, um, you know, it was a Canadian made film. So while the acting was um you know you can you can hear you can hear some accents slip up uh 
in the midst of the movie, but the movie is definitely one of my favorite 80s slashers, to say the least. I put this in a category with shit like Prom Night. Um, I was a late bloomer to the burning, but I put it in the same category as that. But my Bloody Valentine is definitely like in one of the top three underrated post-Halloween 80 slashers. Uh, actually, post-Friday the 13th, because that broke some, that kicked some doors down and broke some barriers, too. So, you know, to say the least, the original is a classic. It's a classic. You know, you had the character of Harry Warden. Of course, you had the twist ending at the end. Um, anybody that hasn't seen it, there is a twist ending at the end. There's then there's also a love triangle, which wasn't really common in slasher movies back then. But you had a crazy love triangle that actually made you kind of give a fuck about these characters more so than the characters we were getting prior to that. Like we got a lot of paper thin characters in slasher movies that that were pretty disposable. You know, they were one dimensional, and you didn't really care about anything they had going on. But these characters kind of had something going to them. Even the lesser uh, the lesser characters, they were pretty they were pretty cool to to watch on screen, especially in um you know. A movie is like this, this movie in particular. But um, I, I'm really hoping I don't go off the rails with this, people, because I'm really going to try to refrain from a rant, even though this, this is going to be a calm rant. I'm going to try to keep it as calm as I can. But we're not here to talk about the 1981 classic uh, unique slasher, are we? We're here to talk about the 2009 remake. Now, can we say that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 remake is to blame for this? Yeah, of course we can. But the difference is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake of 2003 was a great film. It's a great remake. It stood on its own two feet. It's awesome. It's fucking awesome. Now this, I think this came at, you know, we had Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 2003. We had the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning, which was a prequel that came out in 2006. We had the Black Christmas remake that came out in 2006. Um, we had Halloween, the Rob Zombie remake that came out in 2007. I'm not sure what other slashers, but safe to say Texas Chainsaw Massacre blew the doors off the slasher reboot crease craze you guys see i'm already going uh i'm already losing my shit because i'm starting to make up words i said crease but um yeah um it it opened up doors for the slasher reboot uh resurgence and that's when people were like oh what's uh what's michael myers up to what's freddy krueger up to what's jason Voorhees up to what's harry warden up to the guy who's wearing miners uh equipment masks and has got a pickaxe and all this other shit you know, God forbid we, you know, try to break some ground and 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 make this movie stand on its own too. No, we 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 couldn't do that. Now I remember when the trailer came out. I think I actually saw this reboot first. I saw this remake first, and then I was so unimpressed with it. I'm like, nope, I gotta go back and watch the source material. And one of the things that always happens if I go back and watch the source material, very rarely do I prefer it over a remake. Um. Very rarely. Sometimes it happens. But when I watched the, the, the original, I was like, no, nah, this is far more superior than this piece of shit remake. So let's get down to the nitty gritty people. This movie was directed by Patrick Lucier. Now, Patrick Lucier, um, 
He was a director of movies like The Prophecy 3, which was a Dimension Films property. Apparently him and Dimension Films had some type of liking towards one another because he was hired for a lot of shit for uh, Dimension Films back when they were really popping, whether it be theatrical or straight to DVD. They had a lot of straight to DVD shit popping also. But he, The Prophecy 3 with Christopher Walken, I've never seen it. I've never seen any of the Prophecy movies, honestly. I think I saw the second one. I'm pretty sure Brittany Murphy was in it, but... That went straight to DVD. Dracula 2000 he directed, which, uh, unpopular opinion. Again, people know I have an unpopular opinion. I actually enjoyed Dracula 2000. It was a nice modern take on it. It was really slick. It was really, um, it, it was really, it was modernized, man. And I, I, I loved what they did with it. And I loved the cast that they had with it. Even the ones that got wiped out pretty early on. I love Dracula 2000, man. I always had a soft spot for it in my heart as far as um, vampire movies go. It was one of the cooler ones. One of the ones that I was able to, you know, enjoy and have fun with. Like, I didn't have to be scared or anything like that, but it was a pretty cool movie. He also went on to, to direct Dracula 2 Ascension, which went, it was a sequel to Dracula 2000, but it went straight to DVD. That's not bad. It actually has, um, cannot remember the actor's name, but he, the guy that plays Ezekiel from The Walking Dead in one of his earlier roles. And it's got Craig Schaefer from um, Fire in the Sky, Hellraiser Inferno, and Patrick Lussier after that. I guess he had a knack for the bloodsuckers. He went on to direct Dracula 3 Legacy, which capped off the trilogy for Dracula 2000. He also went on to direct White Noise 2. I'm, I really want y'all to see where I'm going with this right now. All this direct-to-video direct shit, that's a red flag for a unique property like this it's just a red flag but you know what there are good direct to video movies but let's just keep it let's keep it going he directed white noise 2 never seen it he directed drive Ang angry which was after my bloody valentine which I, it was just a weird movie with nicholas cage i don't like it and he recently directed the movie trick with tom atkins and omar epps and i had high hopes for it because i'm like omar epps that's a win in a horror movie tom atkins you know he's he's horror royalty at this point but when I saw the trailer, it just looked really bland. And I, you guys see where I'm going with this, man. Like, this guy's track record for directing is is not that great. It's not great at all, honestly. And But I will say he, he has been an editor and a writer in a lot of movies. I didn't take the time to take the notes, but I know he definitely came in to punch up the Scream 3 script with Aaron Kruger because Kevin Williamson, um, I don't know how much of the script they used with kevin williamson but aaron Kruger wrote the script for scream 3 and you know another un unpopular opinion people hate scream 3 is my favorite sequel of the scream uh series the four movies um of course the first one is epic but i do like the work that patrick lucier did for uh you know the editing work he did for scream 3 uh i wish i knew which other movies he punched up and edited but i you know whatever i don't know but um the writer of my bloody valentine 3d was Todd Farmer and it was also somebody named Zane Smith but for the most part let's credit Tom uh, uh, Todd Farmer right now not to take away anything from Zane Smith but I don't know his resume now Todd Farmer and Patrick Lussier these guys are like the two live crew of fucking of the horror genre you know and, I, and I'm not I don't I don't talk about them in the likes of somebody like West like a director writer combo like Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson or anything like that but these guys man so like the two live crew so much so to the point where I don't trust them on projects together. I've learned not to trust these guys 
I, I really have. And that was my only concern about the movie trick that was coming out was that these two were back on board to work together. And I'm like, nah, this doesn't always end up good. Now, Todd Farmer is credited. His writing credits include Jason X, which, um, not only did he write, but he starred in, um, I think his name was Dallas in the movie. He's the guy that gets his face slammed into the wall during the, um, the simulation scene. But, um, yeah, Jason X drive angry The messengers. Like, I, I really want y'all to pay attention to the credits I'm giving these two dudes, man. Like, I like, do y'all see where I'm going with this review, man? I really want y'all to see, like, Todd Farmer is not the best writer, man. Like, and it's not to take away from anything. Like, I am unknown, an unknown writer, and still trying to get my foot in the door and get my feet wet with this shit. So it's like, people like this should inspire me, but it's like, when your resume, like, you're only as good as your resume says. That's something somebody told me. And these two guys working together for a movie like this, which was so unique back in 1981, it's it was just a red flag that I just never that I just didn't see coming. I didn't see it coming at all. Um, the cast, though, is is not all bad. I mean, Jensen Ackles, who plays uh, Tom Hanniger this time around, he's he's a uh, he, you know, he's the guy from Supernatural for all you Supernatural fans out there. I personally have never watched an entire episode nor a season. I'm not you know, I'm not sold on it at all. Um, Jamie King, who plays Sarah this time around, she's actually one of those remake people along with Katie Cassidy, who plays in a lot of remakes. Um, she was also I can't remember everything she was in, but she was also in the Silent Night remake with um malcolm mcdowell so jamie king's in this care smith is in it and i love care smith man the first i think the first thing i saw him in actually was dawson's creek and he got a lot of shit for that role because he came out as gay and you know in character uh when he played the character of uh i can't remember his name but he was pacey's girlfriend's brother and he came out as gay and you know he got a lot of shit for that but he still was one of the best characters in that entire show but um he also was Carter in, um, goddamn, I almost said Passenger 57. He was Carter in, uh, Final Destination. Damn, you see how that comes full circle? Both movies involving planes. Yeah, this is like clearly a testament of how much of a movie geek I am. But yeah, Kara Smith is in it. He plays Axel this time around. You had Edie or Eddie Gaffigy. I hope I, I know I said his name wrong, but this is the guy. He's the black vampire in Twilight. He played Darwin in X Men first class but he plays um deputy martin and then finally you have tom atkins horror royalty i don't think i need to say what he played in but he plays burke now with that being said with this cast there are other people casted also but i didn't take the time to you know take the notes on it because i don't give a shit about these i don't care about these characters i didn't give a shit about any of these characters in this movie whatsoever harry warden could have came in and did his thing and the whole entire town could have been painted red and i wouldn't have gave a shit my opinion on this movie would not change so let's talk about the plot the plot remains the same as the original you know there's a backstory of this guy harry warden who uh you know he did his little slaughterhouse rock thing in the town of valentine bluffs i think the, they changed the name of the town in the remake i can't remember i, I didn't clearly uh you can see how much i care about the name of this town or how much the changes were made um but yeah you got the history of harry warden and the opening basically is you know you got the kids they're not kids nor teens they're just fucking aged down adults and they're dressed to make them look like teenagers which is so fucking stupid man like 
I could see if you casted them as kids and then casted Jamie King and Kara Smith and Jensen Ackles and all of that type of stuff, but these are not teenagers. These are fucking 30 to 40 year old adults going to the mine to party and drink beer and have sex and shit. This, like, the opening is bad. Now, one thing I will, first of all, let me finish the plot. Uh, you know, Harry Warden does his thing, and then some years later, Tom Hannigan, uh, Tom Hanniger, who has disappeared as Jensen Ankles, by the way, who has, for the people that haven't been keeping up, um, he just appears back in the town, and, you know, people are, you know, murders start happening, and people are suspecting him, because he's been gone for so long, and because he's a, he looks like a fucking weirdo, and because Jensen Ackles, for me personally, cannot act to save his life in this movie, this guy, I think my cat, who's about 10 years old, has way more acting chops than this guy right here. I'm not a fan of Jensen Ackles. I'm not a fan of his acting in this movie. And like I said, I'm not a fan of Supernatural. I don't think it's anything anybody could tell me otherwise that'll turn me around to be interested in in his style of acting or lack thereof. I'm I'm just not into it. I'm not into it at all. But um, you know, he comes back to town and, you know, he's got a thing for Sarah. Sarah is now married to Axel and, you know, Tom doesn't give a shit. And, you know, he's on Sarah's top. So, you know, when he's working in the mine, he's, you know, these murders start to happen. So, of course, he is the prime suspect. So there's like a there's not necessarily a red herring thing going on here, but it's just like, listen, is Harry Warden back or is it someone else? Whereas, though, in the original, it was Harry Warden is, is back. This one is like, is it Tom or is it Harry Warden? It's, you know, it's kind of a red herring thing, but it's just like one or the other. And I'm just not buying it, man. Like, it, it, I, I just don't buy the suspense or the mystery aspect of this shit at all because the execution is just that bad. Um, the characters and the acting, there's not a there's not a drop of good acting in this movie, man. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. The only good acting that I would give credit and tip my hat to is Kara Smith as Axel, you know, he, he is, um, a very frustrated police officer. Um, he's trying to keep shit afloat with his wife, but he's also a piece of shit husband because he's cheating on his wife. He's cheating on his wife with a, with a younger woman. And, you know, not only is he cheating, but he gives his wife shit for, you know, doing something as small as talking to, um, to Tom, you know, and this just goes to play on his insecurities, but it's like, okay, at least there's a level of depth for that character. Even though he is a piece of shit, cheating, bastard husband, Keir Smith probably offers the most intense and interesting acting in this movie. And that just goes back to, you know, him in Dawson's Creek when he first started out and him in Final Destination, who, and when he had to bounce back from being that gay guy on, um, on WB to be in the tough guy in a, you know, in a mainstream, uh, new age horror movie. So I, you know, I always like his acting, man, even though, you know, his character is not necessarily a good guy, but he takes action. You know, I could buy him as an actor. That's the only drop of good acting. And it's, it's crazy because not even Tom Atkins could save this movie for me, man. I, it's just some movies where people who might, very well be horror royalty like Tom Atkins. They just kind of phone it in, man. It's just like, oh, well, I'm that old head, uh, retired sheriff or police officer guy in town. Cool. I'll be that guy. And it's just really nothing more to it. Like there are no layers to it at all. It's just, everything is just so, it's so textbook in the way it's delivered and the way it's written on paper. Like I, I really don't know 
which I would really love to read the script because I want to know which was worse, the way it was delivered or the way it was written on paper, not just for Tom Atkins, but for all of these characters, because, you know, even the characters, you know, they have a replacement type of Mabel character. Uh, if anybody doesn't remember who Mabel is in the original, Mabel was the woman who was in the laundromat and she got killed and she got stuffed in the dryer. But I feel like her replacement was the midget woman who was looking for her dog. And she gets a vicious ass kill scene in this movie. Um, that, that's probably the biggest highlight. Let me talk about this for a second. That's probably the biggest highlight of this movie is the kill scenes. Now, while I didn't see this movie in 3D, I saw it at home when it came out. Um, the 3D really doesn't look all that impressive to me. There is one scene where Tom Atkins, spoiler alert, uh, who gives a shit anyway, if you haven't seen this movie, it's probably for the best. Um, but like I said, spoiler alert. Um, there's a scene where Tom Atkins is going out looking for the killer. And when he turns around, the killer uh, swings the pickaxe into his jaw, like into or into the bottom of his chin. And the end of the pickaxe is coming out of his mouth. So when he when it won't budge, he kind of, you know, uh, braces himself with his foot and he he rips Tom Atkins jaw off and his jaw flies into the screen with CG jaw and CG blood. It looks pretty cool. You know, it's clearly CG, but that looks like the coolest bit of CG in the movie. Now, while I haven't seen any movie ever in my life in um, in in 3D, I don't think I would have been impressed by a lot of this stuff. I mean, I, I get the gist of what 3D shots are. You know, I've tried to watch Friday the 13th 3D uh, with some 3D glasses on a TV that didn't even that couldn't withstand it. And I got the gist of it, you know, just just the basics of it, the shots and all of that. Like, I understand filmmaking to a certain extent, I would like to think. But this 3D just didn't do anything for me. But there are some solid kills in here. You get a decapitation that's from like the mouth up where the rest of the body, you know, from the jaw, the bottom jaw on down falls and the girl's head slides off a shovel. Um, you get a guy who gets a pickaxe swung in the back of his head and his eye pops out. I don't know how that looked in 3D. It looks pretty weak. Um, you get uh, uh, the pickaxe is propped up on the floor and the guy gets his face smashed into it. You get some decent kills in this movie, man. You get some carnage. But at what cost? You know what I mean? Like you can't now there was there there have been times where I've eaten my words where I said to, you know, maybe a movie like Hellboy. You gotta sell me on more than gore and R rating. But that movie was actually entertaining. It wasn't better than the first two, but it was still entertaining, even with that was the highlight, the blood and the gore, but it was entertaining. This movie is not entertaining. So even with something like gore and uh, decent kills. It's a bunch of bullshit wrapped around it like that. If that's all you have going for it, then you don't have a film. You just have you just got spectacle. That's it. You got spectacle and you just got a cash grab and you're trying to cash in on the 3D gimmick. Like, I don't I think this was one of the earlier um, 3D horror movies of the new wave, you know, of the 2000s. I'm not I'm not sure. But I remember Kerr Smith saying in some behind the scenes footage, he's like, this 3D thing is really going to pick up. And damn it, if he wasn't right. But the, as far as the writing goes, Todd Farmer, man, he is this guy. If anybody hasn't read he, him and Patrick Lussier, uh, I forgot to mention this early on. They were actually attached to direct and write Halloween 3D, which would have been a follow up to Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. And when I say this script, man, people can say what they want about Rob Zombie and the trailer trash talk and the fuck every five seconds and this, that and the other and just tacky tasteless nonsense 
their script for Halloween 3D plays out way worse than this does. Like it's like they try to take Rob Zombie shit, duplicate it, and put their own little trailer trash, uh, the hardcore twist on it, and it just doesn't work, man. It really doesn't. So the writing for this movie. For it to be something more polished up and something more mature and, you know, this soap opera uh, mystery, are you cheating on me? And this love triangle shit is bad. The dialogue sucks. The the chase scenes suck. Like, at, like, the way that this movie is written is so... And I'm not the best writer in the world, people. Like, make no mistake, but this writing, the, the, the back and forth between each other... Like, this is why I said I want to read the script because I want to know if it was worse on paper or if it's just that bad when it was delivered. Because there are lines here that are just fucking terrible, man. Like, there's a scene where Jensen Ackles and Jamie King are in the car and he's telling her, you know... Axel's going crazy. I need you to trust me and come with me. And then Axel calls her on the phone and then she hangs up because she finds out something's wrong. And he's like, was that Axel? <laughs> yeah, that was Axel. That wasn't your mother or whatever he was saying. And he's just like, you got to trust me. You got to come with me because I'm the one that you love. And you got to believe in me that Harry Warden is back and all this other shit. The movie, the writing, the, the directing, the direction is cheap. This movie, people, looks like it should have went straight to TV, but then it looks like they tried to convert it from straight to TV to straight to DVD. Like the quality of this movie, the cinematography of this movie just looks completely cheap for it to be a, a slasher remake from Lionsgate and to be in 3D. I'm pretty sure they had a good enough budget to get a better cinematographer. The movie looks there looks like there's a a, a filter on this movie that just make it is looks like it's a cheap filter on it. I don't know how else to explain it. It doesn't look like it should have had a theatrical release whatsoever. Um I I I really have no saving graces other than Care Smith as Axel, and that's not to say he was amazing, he was the best thing here, as far as the actors and the characters go, um, him and some decent kills is really all this movie has going for it, man, and is it one of the worst slasher remakes, or is it the worst slasher remake, no, of course not, is it one of the worst slasher remakes, absolutely, absolutely, people, um, this is, I probably will put this in the category of, and I know people will give me a lot of, um, backlash for this because I don't mind black Christmas because you know why I was entertained. At least I wasn't bored. I wasn't, you know, feeling like I just, you know, popped a whole bunch of sedatives and they were just taking effect while this movie was playing out. No, that wasn't the case. Um, I put this up there with definitely probably if not top five, definitely top 10, worst horror remakes ever 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 that i have ever seen and let me say man the patrick lucier and todd farmer i i don't hate y'all man it's just that i i i just cannot fully trust y'all it's almost like an abusive fucking relationship with y'all man like I, I like honestly with drop jason x it's a bad movie but it's entertaining it's entertaining. Now, uh, actually, Jim Isaacs directed Jason X, rest in peace, but Todd Farmer wrote it, and I'm pretty sure Todd Farmer called up Patrick Lucier like, yo, man, I, 
I get the right Jason next, man. What you think I should do with this? And Patrick Lucier probably was like, all right, let me give you this. Let me give you some, um, let me fax you some, some tips on how to, you know, how to punch up this script or some shit. Like these guys, these motherfuckers are not to be trusted together, man. And this is one of the reasons why I really don't want to see the movie trick because I not only does a trailer look lackluster, but I don't want to be disappointed to the point where I'm wasting what are, what are we in 27 minutes and 57 seconds in. I don't want to waste time doing another review rant on some bullshit, man. And I, I feel like you guys did nothing to. To, uh, you know, to 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 piggyback off of the success of the slasher reboot craze man because a lot of people did it and a lot of people did it well people say what they say about rob zombies halloween that shit is way better than this movie it's way better and uh, this movie man I, I i just i feel like it's just so it's so cliche at times it's very predictable it's very one dimensional and it's just it just falls flat on its ass, man. And honestly, I wasn't even going to do a review slash rant for this. But shout out to my man, um, Monty G, man. Big shout out to my man, Monty G, because I, I wasn't going to do one for this. But he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are for this. You know, he was saying it in, in the Facebook movie group. And I was like, I, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good other than the kills, probably. But other than that, it's not going to be good. But then I said, you know what? I think I should do it because I need to get this off my chest. And lo and behold, people, I have done it. And I don't really want to waste any more time on this piece of shit ass remake. Like I said, is it the worst horror remake I've ever seen? Absolutely not. Is it one of the worst horror remakes? Absolutely. Because it just doesn't stand strong enough to even be better than a movie that came out in 1981. Now, this is what people don't understand with the technology we have, with the with the writers, the writing teams we have, with the directors we have, with the things that we can do with filmmaking. But obviously, we don't see it because we're so fucking lazy. I mean, well, I can't say we, but people in the industry are so fucking lazy and so blind to see the tools that we have at our disposal and the talent we have at our disposal. You know, we have the ability to make these remakes 10 times better than the originals. People don't understand that, man. And if they're not better than the originals, we have the tools and the creativity and the drive and the passion, if that, to make these, if not better than the originals, then we have enough enough of that at our disposal to make these remakes stand on their own two feet and make them be talked about and make them stand the test of time for years to come. This movie is not one of them because you guys didn't do anything to, to improve on anything that a movie from the 80s, the, the, the very jumpstart of the 80s horror movies, Y'all didn't do anything to improve on that, man. And when you got when so much time has passed and you can't even do anything better than the original did, then you really it, it was really a pointless act, man. You really it really had no business being made, no business being made. I don't know what the box office returns were for this movie. I really would rather not know. I don't give a shit. I'm pretty sure they probably made some money because it's in, it was in 3D and it was early on before 3D really uh, started to, you know, get it popping. But I it was it was just a pointless remake, man. It, it, we could have we could have stuck with the original. 
bad acting and all like you know what i mean like uh, soap opera scenes and all that type of stuff we could have stuck with that for the rest of our lives i could have stuck with that for the rest of my life and i'm mad that i didn't take the time out to watch the original first i'm mad that i saw this movie and had to go back and appreciate the original i wish i would have saw the original and been like eh, this trailer for the remake looks like shit so i'm gonna stay away from this but nope me being a movie buff and a horror buff especially this is the type of shit i put myself through man it's called self-torture people and honestly i hope that none of you <laughs> if you haven't seen my bloody valentine if you're into self-torture and you like watching bad movies then by all means be my guest watch this piece of shit um if you are a purist of 80 slashers and you hate remakes and you absolutely adore the original 1981 version of my bloody valentine stay the fuck away from this remake people i repeat stay the fuck away from this remake people with that being said my bloody valentine 3d 2009 remake happy 11th happy 11th you know i you know i i hope you have a good one when you blow out the candles I hope the I hope every print of this movie explodes. I really do. But people, you can follow the Tudor Reviews podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and Radio Public. Hopefully it's on more platforms because that's what Anchor is trying to do for me. So shout out to them. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Romero Tudor. Follow the Facebook movie group, the Cinemaniacs. Whew. Of course, I have to post this review in there. I don't know what type of feedback I'm going to get on this. So far, there's only been one person that said they like this movie on the, in, the, in the comments. But hopefully there aren't any more. But are, um, yeah, people, uh, shout out to the Tudor reviewers, man. I, I, I literally have seen the numbers climb within the last day, within a few hours. And I definitely appreciate y'all, man. I'm doing this for y'all, whether it be reviews, rants. Whatever it may be, reactions, the good, the bad, the ugly, you guys are here. You guys are listening, man. So I definitely appreciate y'all for that. And I definitely will never forget the support. You know, somebody told me, uh, don't forget about the little people when you make it big. And it's like, I, I don't I never understood what sense that made because you got to remember your day ones, man. That's something somebody also told me. You have to always remember your day one supporters, man, because they were the ones that were there for you, helping you on this journey and helping you, uh, you know, pushing you up that ladder to climb to the top. So still shooting for that. I'm, I'm close, man. I'm close. Still shooting for that 200. Listen, y'all still shooting for it. That's going to uh, be really big. I still really want to do a, a maybe a live Q&A or some type of special episode for y'all once that 200 hits. But Another episode of Tutor Reviews in the Can, people. I'll check y'all on the next one.